And uh, good morning and welcome to Genesis Church, especially if you're new with us. Uh, as Cameron mentioned, my name is Paul Mumaw and I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church. I uh, spend most Sundays preaching over at our Noblesville campus, but uh, today Steve Wallen and I are doing a little switcheroo and he's preaching over at our Noblesville campus and well, I'm excited to be here and have been looking forward to spending this time with you today. Uh, we're continuing in this series called uh, The Hope in the Chaos and uh, if you brought your Bible with you and you want to follow along with us today, Today, the verse that we're using throughout this series comes right out of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, an Old Testament book, right in about the middle of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. If you use something like the YouVersion app on your smartphone, uh, we invite you to turn there with us again to Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. Hey, what kinds of things come to your mind when you think of the word chaos? Maybe, uh, well, maybe if you're a football fan, maybe you think the Colts right now, and you just kind of, you're not really sure what you're going to get from week to week, and so we'll find out this afternoon when they play the Bengals. Uh, you know, maybe when you think chaos, if you're from the Westfield Carmel area, maybe you immediately think US 31. I mean, it just, you, you kind of, you don't really know what you're going to get each week, right? And especially at rush hour, and so maybe a little bit of chaos there. Uh, chaos is any attempt at shopping these next few weeks. You know, I make it a personal goal to do none of it, uh, but but there's chaos that comes with that. Maybe, maybe if you've got teens, uh, maybe chaos is your teenager's bedroom right now. Or uh, if you made a really big breakfast this morning or maybe kind of rushed out of the house to get here for services, maybe chaos is your kitchen. And uh, you know when you get home today, you're going to have to do some work and cleaning up that kitchen. If you're a, if you're a teacher... Uh, maybe if you work with kindergartners, you know chaos, right? Uh, or if you spend any time around the lunchroom uh, during school, you know, well, chaos is a little bit of that. If, if you're a first-time parent, well, you know some chaos or you're learning what that's like and all the adventures uh, of being a parent and, and you're getting to know chaos real well. I've, I've got a friend who lives in Louisville. And he and his wife just had their second baby, uh, a little boy, and uh, his wife uh, gave birth to this little boy just a couple of weeks ago on the kitchen floor. Yes, you, you heard me right, no joke, uh, on the kitchen floor. In fact, my friend uh, delivered his own son on the kitchen floor with the help of the 911 operator, all right? Again, this is no joke. And to add to it, uh, their daughter was present the whole time. She got to watch as well as their dog. And uh, well, you can only imagine that there was some chaos probably in that kitchen. And I'm, I'm pleased to report to you that, first of all, this wasn't some unique home birthing method uh, that they had elected for and that mom and baby are doing great. But again, I'm sure there was some chaos in that kitchen. You know, maybe when you think about chaos, uh, well, Christmas time is appropriate, or at least this time of the year, because as you look out over the next few weeks, if you're a student, you've got finals coming up, or maybe at your job or in your work, there are some end-of-the-year goals that are coming up, and so some chaos with that. Uh, you know, there's all of the Christmas parties, uh, maybe for you, maybe for your kids, and gifts to buy, and things to exchange. You know, maybe, maybe everyone from your family is coming to your house for Christmas, and so you're already prepping for that, and maybe even dreading it a bit, or, or maybe it's just you know, getting ready for the fact that Christmas is going to come and you've got to be five different places on one day for the sake of keeping everyone happy, right? I mean, that's just what we do. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. And uh, we laugh and, and there are things that we kind of chuckle about, but, but maybe, it's, maybe it's not funny at all, uh, especially when you think of something like the title of this series, The Hope and the Chaos, because maybe you're here today and maybe the chaos of your life has nothing, nothing to do with traffic or shopping or children. I mean, maybe... 
Maybe the chaos of your life has everything to do with the never-ending responsibilities of managing your home and providing for your family, and they're good things, but again, it just kind of contributes to the chaos of trying to keep up. If you're a single parent, well, I mean, you know chaos and you know, maybe greater than, than most people, especially in trying to provide for your home and for your children. I mean, maybe, maybe your chaos right now is the product of emotions and maybe even the frustration in not being able to have children. Um, for some, the chaos is the financial stress, or maybe it's a health issue in your life or maybe in someone close to you. Uh, maybe, maybe your marriage uh, is, a, is a wreck right now. And whether everyone knows or maybe no one knows, I mean, you know a little bit of that chaos, uh, that chaos that we call life. Well, uh, we're looking at a verse uh, that comes right out of the book of Isaiah. Um, And just a little bit of background on who that is. Isaiah was a prophet, a special messenger for God, and he lived and prophesied in Judah during a season of chaos. And for the people that were living then around Isaiah, they were suffering under the rule of an evil empire and really an oppressive enemy. And so their future was uncertain, and the people were afraid. And so God used Isaiah. He's going to use Isaiah. He he chose Isaiah to be a special spokesperson, if you would. He's one of the ways that he uses Isaiah as an encourager uh, for the people. And so 700 years, keep this in mind, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah encouraged the people of Judah, people living in chaos, with these words of hope. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah said this, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, will be given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And Isaiah says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, Isaiah, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. And what makes his words important for us? Well, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah spoke of the hope that was to come. We've got the benefit of knowing the hope that has come in Jesus Christ. I mean, he is God's gift to the world, and he's my hope. And I know that he's the hope for many of you that are here today, but my prayer is, and my hope maybe for these next few weeks is that if he isn't already, that you'll see Jesus as the hope, that he can be the hope that comes into the chaos that surrounds your life, and he can make all the difference in the world. You know, uh, last week, uh, Kevin was here and and talked about Jesus as our wonderful counselor and did a phenomenal job and really appreciate Kevin and his ministry and how he's getting involved here at Genesis. But he talked about Jesus as our wonderful counselor, and, and because Jesus is the wonderful counselor, he invites us to come to him with anything and everything that's going on in our life. I mean, that that's, that's a reminder and an encouragement to us that no matter what you're coming up against in your life, Jesus, what he does for us is he just points to himself and he says, I am what you need. He says, I'm, I'm the answer. I'm the hope. And everything that you've been looking for, it's ultimately found in me. Well, today we want to look at the second of names that Isaiah chooses for Jesus. Uh, he reminds us that Jesus Christ is not only our wonderful counselor, but he's also our mighty God. Jesus Christ is our mighty God. And how great and how mighty is he? Well, sometimes, you know, all you need to do is look up into the night sky uh, to really start to wonder how great and how awesome he is. Um, I, I remember a few months back, uh, have, have any of you ever been outside at night and been able to identify the International Space Station? 
uh, and, you know, that's, well, orbiting and, and, and the news. I remember, I think it was back in September, I mean, we were in the perfect position for a series of nights around 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, just as it was getting dark, to go out and you could see the International Space Station. And so I remember my wife and kids and I, we went out on the deck at just the right time and I had my little compass app open on my phone and had been following the instruction. And sure enough, we waited and a few minutes later, you just, you saw this still light kind of running slowly, or at least to look slowly uh, across the sky, and we, we kind of looked at it, and our neighbors were out, and they were all kind of oohing and on. I'm like, you know, it's just hard to believe, you know. I mean, there are people on that space station right now, but we watched for a few minutes, and then wouldn't you know it, from the same direction, here came another light, and then it seemed like a few moments later, there was, well, another one over there, and that one looks awfully a lot like the one we were just looking at, and then here comes another one from another direction. All that said, I'm pretty sure we saw the International Space Station and probably Southwest flights to Chicago and Detroit and all these different places. We just weren't really sure which one we were looking at, but, but honestly, I mean, don't we get a hint at how great our God really is? By just looking up into the clear night sky, I mean, or, or, or just as you look into the sky, I mean, try and imagine how, how great and how vast, you know, our universe uh, really is. I mean, uh, this is a picture uh, taken of the Milky Way galaxy. I didn't take this picture. But, uh, you know, when you think about even the Milky Way galaxy, one person said that if you were to consider, and it's obviously much greater than this, but just, just to s- uh, suppose for a second that the Milky Way galaxy were the size of the continent, continent of, North, uh, of North America, that our particular solar system that we were in uh, would be equivalent to the size of a styrofoam cup. Like, that's how great you know, our, you know, universes are when we're at least talking about our Milky Way galaxy and the Milky Way is perhaps one of a billion other galaxies uh, in the universe. I mean, he really, truly is a mighty God. I mean, it's no wonder that Jeremiah chose these words when he prayed to God. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, he said, he prayed, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Notice those words. He says, ah, sovereign Lord. Now, that word ah just simply means that there are no words great enough. Uh, it is indescribable. Our God, I mean, it's really more of a painful groan. I mean, once again, we encounter a God who is too great for words. And so Jeremiah says, mighty God, you have, you have made the heavens and the earth and your power and might are on display in the heavens and the earth. He says, there is no problem. There is no challenge. There is no task that is too great or too hard for you. And let me ask you this. What problems uh, or challenges maybe, what burdens are contributing to the chaos in your life this morning? I mean, maybe the chaos for you is in your marriage. And if so, I want to remind you that there is nothing too hard or too great for our mighty God. Um, If that chaos has everything to do with your health or maybe, again, the health of somebody that you love, somebody around you, close to you in your life, there is nothing too hard or too great for our mighty God. You know, maybe, maybe the chaos is in your family and you know, as you think about making it through this year, you're all wonder, already wondering how in the world you're going to get through the next year. Again, there is nothing too hard. There is nothing too great for our mighty God. Maybe, maybe your chaos stems from the loneliness that you experience in your life, and the, the holidays really, it, it just only makes it worse. Again, there is nothing too hard. There is nothing too great for our mighty God. 
Uh, Maybe the chaos in your life stems from financial stress or trying to find a job or maybe trying to find a better job or just even trying to find a job that you could say you enjoy, uh, you at least tolerate. There is nothing too great or too hard for our mighty God. And, you know, again, as you consider the uncertainty, maybe as you look ahead to the next year, I I just want to remind you that we have this confidence that you and I, we can take those burdens, we can take those fears to the Lord because there is nothing too hard, there is nothing too great for Him. He is our mighty God. He is our hope in the chaos. And so Jeremiah prayed, Ah, sovereign Lord. That, That word, ah, is the word is the Latin word uh, for the word omni, uh, and it's with this word that we really learn so much more about our God. I mean, one of the things that we say about God, and if you're taking notes and want to write this down, is that our God is omniscient. Uh, that means that our God is all knowing. He knows all things. He knows everything. Uh, it means that He possesses perfect knowledge, and and therefore has no need to learn. And I mean, our, our God knows all things. He knows all that can be known. He knew us. He knew you before you were conceived. Um, he knows your thoughts, and He knows my actions. I mean, there is nothing that is hidden from Him. And we'd, we'd like to think at times that we kind of have this same characteristic. I mean, do you ever kind of feel like you know it all? Or how, how many of you are going to share a Christmas meal with someone in your family that is a true know-it-all, right? Or, or maybe how many of you are sitting next to a know-it-all right now? Don't, don't. We probably don't raise your hand for that one. Don't, don't acknowledge that one. But Jesus Christ, our mighty God, he is omniscient and he knows all things. Uh, A.W. Tozier said it like this. He says, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and pluralities, all law and every law, all relations. All causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires. He knows every unuttered, unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities. He knows all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other things, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised or amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask any questions because he is our omniscient, all-knowing God. Our, Our mighty God is also omnipresent. This means that he is everywhere at all times, which means that there is no place. There is no place in heaven or on earth where you can go or hide from God. I mean, even now, I mean, his presence is just as much with us as he is with those that are meeting over at our Noblesville campus or anywhere around the world. I mean, he is God, a God who is everywhere at all times. And if you were here last Sunday, uh, Kevin spent some time with you just kind of reading through Psalm 139 and really challenging you this week in your own time and in your own reading uh, to spend some time with those words. But in Psalm 139, I mean, David cried, he said, where can I go? He says, where can I go and escape your presence? I mean, if I go to the greatest heights, I know that I'm going to encounter you. If I find myself in the lowest depths of life, I know that I can find you there. Whether I stumble or fall or whether I'm on the rise, David says, you are always with me. Mighty God, your hand is always there to guide me. He is a God who is everywhere at all times. I mean, man, what a, what a comforting reminder that you and I in our lives, no matter where we are, no matter the chaos of your life, he is always there. He is our omnipresent God, and He is omniscient, and He is omnipotent. Uh, We say that our mighty God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Our God can do anything because He has all power. You know, this word omnipotent is identical to another word that we read in Scripture. It's the word almighty. 
And uh, the word almighty is used something like 56 times in the Bible, and it's never used of anyone but God because he alone is almighty and his power is limitless. And Isaiah says there is nothing too great, there is nothing too difficult for our mighty God. Hey, can I just ask you this? Do you believe that? Like, can you say that you embrace that truth uh, in your own life? I, mean, I, I, I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. I, I believe that he is our mighty God and there is nothing that is too great for him. But I've got to be honest with you. While I believe that, there are times in my life when I don't see it. And I wonder, and I've got to ask questions of it. I mean, I look at the world, or I look at the wars that continue, and I think about poverty that I've seen in foreign countries, uh, in other cities, uh, and even in my own, uh, in Noblesville. Um, I see pain and suffering in other people's lives and in my own family. I mean, I watch the news and I'm reminded of how much hate and unbelief there is present in our country today. And sometimes I can't help but wonder, God, where's your power? Like, where is it? I mean, I know and I believe that you are the mighty God, but where is your power, Lord? And why? Why would you delay? You know, maybe you're here today and maybe you've asked questions like that. Uh, whether you're new to this church or maybe you've been coming for a long time, I mean, you've asked a question like that. You've asked, you know, where, where's God in this right now? Well, it's a fair question. We've all asked those questions, and we've asked, God, where is your power? Where is your power in and around my life? And maybe you've been at praying, and maybe you've been asking for God to provide in different ways, but he hasn't yet. I mean, maybe you've been asking God to uh, reconcile a broken relationship yet, but there's no progress there, at least at this time. Or maybe you would say, even this morning, you feel so distant from God, and it just kind of leaves you wondering, God, where are you in all this? You know, in my life, I've found this verse uh, to to be very... Very true. And Isaiah, another place in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8, you know, these, well, these are the very words of God. These are they're God's words. He says, for, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, here's the thing. God's power is real, and there's nothing that is too difficult for him. And and we may not see his power working in ways that we want to see it, but his power, or at least his power may not always work uh, that we want it to work, but but trust me, our God is always working. His, His power is there, and he knows all things, and he is always present, and he is our omnipotent, all powerful, mighty God. So how does he work? I mean, how does a mighty God display that power for us? Well, I'm going to give you three things uh, to think about this morning and think about what these mean uh, in your own life, and, and you can write these down with us. The first thing is this, a mighty God works in you. He does. I mean, that's the way that Paul writes it. He says it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. He reminds us, he says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so Paul says, but where's God's power at work? He says, God's power is at work in you, but notice how that power works. He, it says he, he is giving you the desire and the power to do what? To do what pleases him. See, here's the brutal truth. 
we get so upside down, so mixed up on what it means to be a Christian today. And we, we struggle with this warped, uh, kind of upside down view of Christianity. We've made it out to say that Christianity is all about me and what I want and my personal happiness and my comfort and what I need. And so we think, you know, that if I'm a Christian, then I shouldn't have to experience anything that's too uncomfortable. You know, your campus pastor, uh, Steve Wallen, and I uh, had the opportunity to travel to Dallas this past week for a, for a meeting. And I, I got to tell you, Steve's one of my best friends, and uh, I love spending that time with him. And I, I, well, I love traveling with him, too, because if you don't know Steve really well, uh, what you'd find is if you travel with Steve, you're going to always eat at the best restaurants. Uh, Steve just has this great knowledge or these great resources of finding the most unique places to eat with the very best food. And one of the reasons that I love Steve Wallen, too, is that he's brilliant. And just as a little side note here, I've always said that if I'm ever a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Steve will be my phone-a-friend, all right, Uh, because he is full of so much knowledge. Now, he'll tell you it's useless knowledge, uh, but he, like, retains everything, all right? And uh, so anyways, uh, but seriously, Steve and I, we we went to this meeting in Dallas. We had a great time together, and we had the the opportunity, the privilege while we were there with these other church leaders uh, to hear from a pastor uh, from Nairobi, a guy by the name of Oscar um, Yeru, and he's the pastor of the Nairobi Chapel in Kenya, and just a, a fascinating man, and so encouraging to hear from him, um, because on the one hand, you know, while research and evidence today indicate that faith in the West and faith in America really is on the decline, it's on the slide, um, Pastor Miru described the, the strength and the faith and, and, and the power present in many of the African Christians and churches today, and said something like, you know, though for those living in the global south today, so everything in the southern hemisphere, while all of the focus on the church and Christians used to be in the West and in places like America, something like 75% of Christians today come from the global south. And so God is just doing this amazing uh, work right there. And what's crazy, though, is that for so long, for so many uh, of the African people and African Christians, I mean, they've just experienced hurt and pain and tragedy and suffering in their lives and in their families. But, but God is doing this great work right now, especially in Kenya. And get this, this church in Africa is preparing and sending missionaries to places like Europe and places like America to evangelize us. And, and this pastor is, is just so confident that his people and the people of Af- Africa are even, even more so prepared to endure whatever suffering they might come up against in their mission, all right, because they've already endured it. You know, they've already been through it. They've already seen so much pain and so much suffering. And so even now, you know, not only in coming to places like Europe and, and America, but they're sending missionaries into closed Muslim countries uh, because there are no questions. You know, they have no problem getting into those countries and working amongst the people, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ because they've suffered. And because of that suffering, they've walked through it and they've seen the God, power of God working in their lives and they're prepared to go and to share that story. I mean, as I listened to him, I was reminded that God's power is real and his power isn't about making life easy, but God's power is at work in you and me and it's working to change us. And if you're in Christ, his power is in you and it's working to change you. And what he wants to do is he wants to change us from being selfish, you know, self-centered people to people who are full of love and compassion, peace and patience and gentleness and self-control. And only a mighty God can do a work like that. 
I mean, His power is at work, and it's working to change you and me so that we are better prepared to do those things that please Him. His power is real. And if you're in Christ, I mean, the mighty God, His power is at work in your life. But there's another thing. A mighty God not only works in you, but He works for you. He's always at work for you. Isaiah wrote it like this, Isaiah 40, verse 29. It says, He gives strength. Our God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But notice this part. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Let this... Let this hit home for you in your life today. I mean, allow this promise to find its way in the center of your chaos. Because if you're weary, if you're here today and you're tired, or you feel like you've hit empty or reached the end, what does God's word say? It says that his power, that he gives strength to the weary, he increases the power of the weak, and that those who hope in what? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Man, I... I can't tell you how I'm learning this more and more in my life, every day, every month, every year, that, 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 that God's strength, I mean, it's perfect, uh, that it's His strength, that it's the only thing that matters. I mean, I mean, you know what life is like. I mean, man, it can get moving so fast to you at times, and you, you've got your work, and you've got your family, and you've got your responsibilities around you, and these desires for significance and fulfillment and all these things, and, and it's just so easy for me to get wrapped up into, okay, what can I accomplish for myself? And it just seems like every day more and more, the Lord keeps reminding me that it's about the relationship that I have with Him and His strength working in me the only strength that matters. It's why Isaiah says, but those who hope in the Lord, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. He says, I will give you strength. You know, the apostle Paul, he had a weakness. Uh, he had a handicap that he referred to in Scripture. He called it a thorn in the flesh. He said, you know, three times, specifically three times, I prayed for the Lord to take it away. But look what he writes later in Second Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. God's word for him was, hey, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so Paul goes on to say, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions. Man, like that's maturity, right? That's, hey, I've learned some lessons. And he says, so, and troubles that I suffer for Christ because when I am weak, he says, I am strong. Paul says, hey, I've, been, I've given up hope that these weaknesses are going to go away or that this chaos will be eliminated once and for all. And he says, I'll tell you what I've settled on. I've settled on God's power because he says his power is greatest in my weakness. In fact, Paul says, because of my weaknesses, because of the chaos of my life, I know God in a greater way. I think he's saying, hey, I'm even taking pleasure now in this chaos and in this pain and this suffering, because when I'm weak, I see that my God is strong. And I see that his hope never fails. It's God's power working for me. Let me ask you this question. What if the present chaos in your life is creating an opportunity for God to do some work in you like you've never, ever seen before? I mean, that's a tough thing to wish for, isn't it? 
I mean, what if, what if God is on the verge of doing something spectacular right now in the current chaos of your life? I mean, that's where Isaiah's coming from. That's where Jeremiah's coming from. I mean, they're on the verge of some really difficult days, but because of their faith in God, they knew and believed that they were going to see God work in ways that they had never seen Him work before. Hey, listen, you may think that you're in the darkest and most difficult hours of your life, and that may be true, no doubt about it. But what if God is going to use this time, what if God is going to use this chaos as a demonstration of how great and how mighty He really is? You know, one of our uh, world's greatest leaders and heroes passed away this past week, and uh, many of you know, have heard the news by now, that Nelson Mandela died at the age of 95. And, uh, you know, words like leadership and humility and courage, uh, the power to forgive, um, perseverance, all come to mind when you think of somebody like Nelson Mandela. I mean, he spent 27 years imprisoned on Robbins Island before finally emerging uh, to liberate South Africa from a system of hate and violent prejudice. And he united South Africa in a way uh, that had never happened before. And it's incredible, really, when you think about it, because, you know, he endured so much pain and he endured so much tragedy in his life. But like, what was it? Like, where did this strength and where did this power and this resolve come from? And you'd think things like, well, the imprisonment would have ruined him forever, but Richard Stingle said it like this, you know, Nelson Mandela had many great teachers in his life, but his imprisonment was the greatest. See, you may think right now that you're in the darkest hour of your life, in this chaos with nothing at all to gain, but what if, what if God's going to use this time, what if He's going to use this season in your life to demonstrate His power in ways that you've never seen before? See, God's not going to waste any day. He's not going to waste any moment or any season in your life. Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The Apostle Paul says, when I'm weak, I am strong because a mighty God is at work for you. And finally, a mighty God works through you. And he is prepared and ready and already working through you. Uh, Jesus reminds us of this in his last words before he ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Jesus says, You'll receive what? Power. He says, you're going to receive strength. Now, what does God have in mind for us? That we will then go and live and serve as his witnesses. And where? He says, everywhere. You know, that's a strategy we're developing here at Genesis Church as we think about, you know, we want to be a church of people who are sold out to helping people find their way back to God, whether that be locally, regionally, nationally, or around the world. Man, I mean, I, I believe that what God has in mind for each of us is that we live on mission, whether that be on your street, in your dorm, in your apartment complex, where you go to school, the team that you're currently playing on, the place where you work out, that we just, we're living on mission, allowing the work of God through us, the power of God to be at work us in, in, in anything and everything. Hey, I got to tell you, Carmel Campus, I, I am so encouraged by you and uh, the work that God has been doing through you now for what? 
16 months and, and even longer for some of you as you were a part of this team that prayed and came ready uh, to serve in this community. God is doing a great work through you. The mighty God is at work through this campus as you serve Him willingly and humbly and obediently. And, and now going to two services, I, I just want to applaud you and thank you for your service and your sacrifice and for your prayers uh, for God's work uh, through a place like this. And all the people that are coming and all the people that are serving and lives that are being changed and baptisms, I mean, you're making a difference. I mean, that is, that is evidence of a mighty God at work through you and through this church. And His power, i got to tell you, is at work not only through this campus, but our Noblesville campus. I mean, Genesis Church, God is at work in great and awesome ways. You know, I just think about his work uh, through some of the lives of stu- uh, kids that I'm hearing about and, and kids that come and are finding their way back to God in our Gen Kids ministry. And they're, they're the ones that are making sure that mom and dad don't miss each week, all right, because they keep coming and they're energized by what God is doing uh, in their life. I see it in our students too, and I, I just love how our student ministry is growing and the opportunities that are coming up with, with things like Spring Hill as, as God is working uh, through our students and through you know the people of this church to help help students uh, find their way back to God. I love how I see that in college students. Man, we've got so many college students right now, especially coming at our Noblesville campus, and it's fun to hear their stories, that they're willing to make the 30-minute drive from Anderson and from other places because they want to be a part of a community. They see God at work, and they're feeling invited into all of it, and so they're serving. But even to hear stories of those that are getting ready to graduate and saying, you know, I want to find a job right here in this community because this is my church, and I see God working here. And I want to be a part of it. You know, I, I see it in young families. Man, God's power work. We, we had a young family a couple of weeks ago. We helped dedicate their child on a stage uh, like this. And a few days later, I got a, a, a letter in the mail, a handwritten letter from the grandma and grandpa of that family. And they don't normally attend Genesis, but it was just full of encouragement, of just the experience they had that morning and just seeing God work not only in their kids' lives, but just in the people around them that they interacted with uh, on their Sunday morning uh, at Genesis. I, I, I talked with a woman this past week in the cafe over at Noblesville, and she's been coming to Genesis since the beginning of 2013, and I remember her first Sunday, and a friend had invited her, and she came very wounded on that Sunday morning, as she had just learned that her husband didn't want anything to do with her anymore, and uh, we're going to leave behind not only her and her relationship, but also, or their relationship, but also a young child, and, and, and so that very Sunday morning, you know, she came up after one of our services to pray, and I, I didn't get a chance to meet with her because there was a couple of other people that were talking first, but all of a sudden, I saw somebody from our prayer team kind of catch her uh, in the center aisle and immediately learned her story. And so for the next months, you know, this woman on our prayer team just encouraged her and prayed for her and ministered to her. I mean, she had gone through divorce in her own life. And so anyways, all that said, last week, I talked to this particular woman. She just said that she goes, I don't have any idea where I'd be today if it weren't for this church. And next week, I'm going to sign my divorce papers, and I'm so sad to see my marriage come to an end. But i got to tell you, I, again, I don't know where I would be today if it weren't through the people of this church and ultimately in her relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just another story, evidence of God's power, the mighty God at work in people, people like you and me. You know, hey, we've got a great opportunity coming up over these next few weeks uh, just because all of the focus and attention at times in a season like this is on those who are hurting, and rightly so. I I think that's great perspective for all of us. And 
And so we've challenged you to think about what it means for you to love your neighbor. And, and we've got some great partnerships with places like the O'Connor House, and so many of you have given and supporting you know, the great work that's happening in the O'Connor House right now. And the specific challenge was one gift and two hours of service. And uh, maybe some of you already have in mind what you're going to do. Maybe you, some of you have already kind of checked that off your list and you completed the task. But I, I want to challenge you in this that if jump in. You know, and whether it's through one of the opportunities, and we've got some of those that we described for you in the worship program, or maybe it's just something that's close to your life right now. What's it mean for you to love your neighbor? What's it mean for you to allow the power of God to work through you, even in a simple gift, or even in, even in some time? And if you've already checked that off your list and found that, hey, that was pretty easy, and that was kind of fun, guess what? You can do it again, you know? I mean, break the rules, you know? Go over and above, you know? Who can you serve? Who is it in your life uh, that you can demonstrate that love for in some awesome way? Paul says it like this, 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, we'll wrap up here in just a second. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. See, that's what we do when we serve. That's what we do when we open ourselves to the power of God working through us. That, man, it's just a gift. And, and this simple gift, or maybe this great gift, it could make all the difference in someone else's life. And not only because it's providing a resource, but again, it's an opportunity. It's a demonstration of Christ's power at work in us and how we can share that power with other people around us. It's a mighty God at work and people like you and me, and in this campus, and in our Noblesville campus, because we are committed to helping people find their way back to God. You know, one, one last example of this, there's a, a man and his wife that have been coming to our Noblesville campus for a few years now, and uh, she's a follower of Christ and, and really loves the Lord, and uh, it became very evident uh, very quickly that her husband did not share that same enthusiasm. But because he loved his wife, uh, he was willing to come with her and really just became a part of the, uh, uh, of the Genesis community so quickly. Um, but again, ha- had no faith in Christ and was very standoffish to it in many ways, but he just fell in love with the people. And, and so he kept coming week after week, and he started serving on one of our teams. And I got to tell you, I know his story, and I knew how stubborn he was when it came to a relationship with the Lord. And so there have been many Sundays where I'm talking specifically about what it means to have a relationship in Jesus Christ, and I would just look at him. I didn't care. I figured I got nothing to lose. And so I looked at Terry, and I looked him straight in the face, and I've prayed for him, and many people have prayed for him. And you know what? I think you probably know how the story's going to end. A few weeks ago, he met me down front after one of the services, and uh, he doesn't typically do that, and so I was immediately uh, kind of suspicious of what was going on. But he looked me in the eyes right away, and he said, um, <clears throat> it's time. And I was like, well, what do you mean it was time? And uh, he says, I've known all week. He says, I've been putting it off for so long. I'm ready to invite Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And uh, I was able to pray with him and his wife in that moment. And, and again, just a, a wonderful example of a mighty God at work through people like you and this church, just kind of drawing him in a little bit more every day to know the power of God, the saving power of God in Jesus Christ. You see, the greatest demonstration of God's power is a transformed life. It's the greatest demonstration in the world, a life that moves from death to life, from dark to hope to light. 
And for those of you that are here today that are in Christ, um, the mighty God, His power is at work and available in you, through you, for you. Um, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You know, Paul says, I, I'm, I'm learning to enjoy my weaknesses because I get excited about how I'm going to see God work in greater ways. And uh, for those of you that are here today that don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, that's what makes all the difference. And it's like you're standing on the verge of inviting something into your life that changes everything and for all times. Uh, and it's why one of the verses that I'm praying for you and that we've been praying together um, comes right out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, when the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. And uh, that's what I'm praying for you today, that God would open up your heart, that He would open up your eyes and enlighten you to the hope that is available for the chaos of your life and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that You would continue opening our eyes and our heart to know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray for those that are here today that are in Christ, that have a relationship with You, Lord, that uh, You would use these words and these promises to encourage them, uh, to empower them today, no matter what they're facing. And for those that are here today, Lord, uh, that don't have a relationship with You, maybe they're new to all of this, maybe they've been here for a long time, but they've just been seeking and asking questions and waiting for answers. Lord, I pray that You would open their heart, that they would be enlightened to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and a power and a work of yours that changes everything forever and always. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>